1: everybody to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I got a crowd for y'all. First off, let me introduce my co-host, Nathan, the Chess Pass Chester. Nate, what up? What's going on, man? I'm just chilling. We also have the producer of the Gianotto and Jeffrey Show every day on ESPN 92.9 from 2 to 4, Mr. Connor Dunning. Connor, what's going on?
2: My island that I helped build is being attacked, and I'm here <laughs> to defend its honor.
1: Yes, and the two attackers. First, the host of the 3 d Podcasts, Staff GBB staff writer Justin Lewis. Justin, what up? uh
0: what's up, Parker Connor? It's nothing personal. It's just facts.
1: Oh, it's personal. Ah, uh, all right, and then, made him
3: personal as Michael Jordan once uh, said. <laughs> exactly. And,
1: and finally, GBB senior staff writer, the host of the Lot Don co-host, excuse me, sorry, Mark of the Lot Don Grizzlies podcast, Hurricane <laughs> Coleman, aka Sean <laughs> Coleman. Sean, what's going on?
4: First off, shout out to Brandon Abraham on his victory uh, today over Joe Molinax. But, Connor, you know, it's funny. I'm going to say I admire you. I find that your efforts admirable because here in a bit, all you're going to be defending is a pile of ashes after the island is burned to a crisp. (laughs) So good luck with that, buddy. Let me so thank you for
2: having me. The what? hubris on these hubris on these two coming into this is it's
4: uh it's ridiculous, man. Let's, Who says hubris? hubris.
2: Nobody uses hubris Someone anymore. that's about to win a damn debate.
0: Sean, I would pick you to say hubris. Justin, you don't yeah, yeah. have to lean
4: four inches from the mic, you boomer, okay? It's- <laughs> <laughs> if you if you would have said hubris, I thought it would have been a dip that you put chips in or something. But I know that's hummus instead. So whatever. oh my god,
3: you're this is going to be so easy.
4: You're not this ready, is going to be
2: so easy.
1: Yes. So my island, the island. Parker Fleming, Connor Dunning and plenty of others in Grizzlies Twitter built, Nathan Chester, excuse me, as well. Dylan Brooks Island, and it it's under attack. Everybody knows my thoughts about Dylan Brooks. I wrote a six-part series on him. It's literally the constitution of Dylan Brooks Island. And as he proved this year, he's a good basketball player, and he can contribute to a playoff-level team. But I have attackers We have Sean Coleman, who I think he's just insisting on trading everybody on the Grizzlies roster that's not named Jaron Jackson Jr. or John Morant. Just basically saying he's out there as a trade asset and is not a starter-level shooting guard. And you know what? All right, cool. And then we have Justin Lewis over here saying, quote, my argument is that Dylan Brooks is not worth his contract, the one that he just signed, three years, $33 million. He's not a starter on a good NBA team. And that's pretty insulting to the Memphis Grizzlies, Justin. Thanks a lot. And it's really all that, not that valuable of a player. So I want to start here with one of the attackers, Sean Coleman. Well, yours, your take on Dylan Brooks, like why do you think the way do you, you think? Like seriously, why are you the way you are? That's something my wife has been asking
4: me now for the past uh, five to six years, and I still can't give her an answer. So you pose an interesting question. So let's start this off by saying this. This is not in any way, shape, or form. Um, This is basically trying to establish who Dylan Brook is true talent level. The point that I'm getting at is with this, is that it depends on the perspective that you look at with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, the player, his true talent level, I feel is completely different than the way that Grizzlies fans look at him. And the reason why is because of how you compare him. Do you compare him to the Grizzlies and their franchise history, or do you compare him to today's game? Let's take a look at it. I know that there's been some interesting stats that have been thrown out there, but Parker, I know the one that you like is his stat line through 65 games this year. 15 points, three assists, or three rebounds per game, two assists, okay? He's done it over 65 games, started at 65 games, played more than 1,800 minutes in that time frame. That stat line, in and of itself, there have only been seven seven of the Grizzlies who have achieved that stat line since the Grizzlies have been in Memphis. Their names are Paul Gasol, Mike Miller, OJ Mayo, Rudy Gay, Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol, and Mike Conley. Those seven players are seven players that we have debated thoroughly are seven of the 15 greatest Grizzlies in franchise history. So when you look at Dylan's production this year compared to the Grizzlies and their franchise history, he stands out. He's a rare commodity. The problem is this, though, is that the Grizzlies this year are completely different from the Grizzlies in the past. Since their time in Memphis, the Grizzlies have been one of the bottom offensive teams in the NBA. So looking at it from that perspective, I think, is a bit flawed. I just told you that seven players in Grizzlies history have achieved that stat line. This season alone, 15 points, three rebounds, two assists per game with at least 1,800 minutes played, 39 players in the NBA have been able to achieve that stat line this year. It just goes to show that it's more of an offensive game, and certainly the overall aspect of the NBA is completely different from how the Grizzlies have played in the past. Of those 39 players, here's where Dylan ranks in some pretty interesting categories. He is the lowest win share per 48 minutes, by far. The lowest win share per 48 minutes of those 39 players. He has the second lowest field goal percentage and two-point field goal percentage. And he has the lowest true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage. So what does all that mean? It means this. Dylan Brooks, the, the opinion or the perspective that Dylan Brooks is a good player, I think more has to do with him being a product of his environment, a product of the first season in which the Grizzlies have really focused on offense. The quantity is there because they're playing, playing at a faster pace than anybody has played before in Grizzlies history, <coughs> and the quantity is there. Dylan Brooks is a quantity producer. He's a volume shooter. But when he gets those opportunities, while compared to Grizzlies past, he does well compared to today's game. He's not that good at all. He's very ineffective. The quantity's there, the quality's not. And that's why I think that his true talent is far less than what people perceive him as being a product of his environment. I
1: want to take it to Nate. Nate, do you have anything to say towards Sean's comments? Do you think that it's too harsh to... Just say, oh, the Grizzlies' less-than-ideal history shouldn't skew our opinion of Dylan Brooks.
3: Well, I think the biggest thing you have to remember when it comes to Dylan Brooks is I think the argument to use an analytically or efficiency-based argument to criticize him as a player ignores the context and nuance of his role for the Memphis Grizzlies here today. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. You've got John Morant, Dylan Brooks. Right now, it was Kyle Anderson before the pandemic hit, and so we can pretend that you can replace Kyle Anderson with Justice Winslow, and you got Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas. John Rant at this stage in his career is not ready to be a volume producer as a scorer. Now, whether that's by comfort level, talent level, I'm not exactly sure. I think he'll get to that point in his career, but as a rookie, He was not comfortable being a volume three level scorer in the same way that Dylan Brooks was, even though Jabberant did score in that way. He wasn't a gunner the way that Dylan Brooks was. Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow, that's obviously not their role. I think Justice Winslow's career high in points per game is about 11, which I think was last year in Miami, 11 to 13 in that range. Jaron Jackson, a volume three point shooter, but he doesn't have the comfort range to score from mid-range frequently. And then Jonas Valanciunas does most most of his damage in the paint. And then once you go to the bench, you got De'Anthony Belton, you got Tyus Jones, guys who could score from the perimeter but you don't want to rely on them as volume scores, three-level scores from the perimeter. Every NBA team needs a gunner, and especially for the Grizzlies who don't have any other player that seems to fit that mold or that characteristic. Dylan Brooks fills a very defined role for the Grizzlies as a three-level scorer, a guy who can just go get them a basket at any given time during the course of the game, and that's what they rely on him to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's an efficient basketball player or a very efficient scorer. That's not his strength. And really, it would be surprising to me if he was a particularly efficient scorer when you consider what his role is, because in his role as a gunner, a role that no one on the Grizzlies is either willing to do or able to do, he has to take some contested shots. He has to take some tough shots against the shot clock. That's a part of his game. But even efficiency-wise, when you compare him to other guys that fit his mold as a 3 and D wing, He's not particularly inefficient. Chris Levert, a guy who has a reputation as an elite role player for the Brooklyn Nets, has an identical effective field goal percentage to him. If you want to go to All-Stars, Jimmy Butler has a lower effective field goal percentage than Dylan Brooks. He also has a higher effective field goal percentage than Gary Harris. Um, Wesley Matthews, who in his best season in 2013-2014 was comparable in true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage. Just because a guy doesn't fit the mold of an extremely efficient player does not mean that he's not a good rotation player or good in his role, because that's what Dylan Brooks has to be. And it's not just his efficiency as a score that you should be questioning, but – Also, you didn't mention his defense. He regularly takes the toughest defensive assignments for the Grizzlies on any given night. He guards LeBron James. He guards the Kawhi Leonard to the world. He guards Luka Doncic because Taylor Jenkins thinks he's the guy that is most defined for that role on any given night. He fits the mold of what a three and D wing is supposed to be. He's a great shooter, 37% from three on nearly six attempts from beyond the arc. I know Justin's got some critiques of his form, but that is an objectively good shooter. Now he may go through some cold streaks like he has at this point in the year, but if a 37% three point shooter, who takes nearly six attempts a game, he is by definition a good shooter. And that just means his hot streaks are just that much hotter Compared to his cold streets, so he is a good volume three-point shooter. He is an effective scorer from all three levels on the court. You need a three-level score, and he's an effective uh, defender who regularly takes the other team's toughest defensive assignments. Three-and-D players, especially those who thrive as volume scorers from all three levels, they don't just grow on trees. And I'm not trying to argue with you that he was necessarily better than O.J. Mayo or Rudy Gay compared to Grizzlies past because I don't think he's quite as good as either of those guys were at their peak as Grizzlies. But he does fill a very defined role for this Grizzlies team, and he's been very pivotal to their success this year. He has won them games this year through his shot-making. He has kept them in games through his shot-making and the other areas of skill that he braced the court. He is a good rotation player, and and frankly, he compares favorably to a lot of guys who hold the reputation as elite role players in the NBA.
1: Okay, and then one of our other attackers, somebody who Nate actually kind of went at here, Justin. So are you really critiquing an NBA player's jump shot when we've seen examples of players with poor shooting forms that have success hitting shots?
0: Uh, yes, I am. Um, now, obviously, there's some guys in the NBA that have had some very awkward shots and forms of, of getting to that release point that have been very successful. Um, Nate brought up Reggie Miller um, earlier in the discussions with all this. But I would argue that Reggie Miller's release is significantly better um, than his form suggests. Um, Dylan Brooks, as I said in the past, and I told you I wasn't going to bring up the, his shooting form, but Nate brought it up first, so I'll address it. Um, he is like um, – he releases at a 9 to 10 o'clock on his follow-through, and he's only a couple degrees to the right of what Joakim Noah's um, release point is on his shot Um, his follow-through is just very hard to repeat to be um, consistent and that's a a big reason I think we're seeing some of his shooting slumps is that if he can't find that it's hard to repeat Um, so he mentioned his role on the team as a gunner he is a gunner like that is his strength there's no doubt about that But that's a self-assigned role, I believe. If you look at Taylor Jenkins and the systems that he's been in, I haven't seen a guy that was just a straight-up gunner. Um, And I don't know that Dylan Brooks should be leading this team in field goal attempts when he's maybe, at best, the fourth-best player on this team and the fourth best scorer on this team. He says that John Morant is not ready to um, take over as the guy who can just fill it up. And maybe not for, a, for the full length of a game, but he has proven in the fourth quarter that he is more than capable than putting the ball in the basket when the team needs him to do it. Um, so here's some stats that I that I came with. And, Nate, please refrain from calling me a nerd. He never um, said anything about I'll try me. Audio, try so hard, so man. Yeah, tough, yeah. So here we go. I got a list for you guys that I sent to Joe Mullenax, and he said that Dylan is not a starter on a good NBA team, and that is the main point. He leads our team in field goal attempts, but he's fourth in field goal made. He's seventeenth on the Memphis Grizzlies in field goal percentage. He's twelfth in guys that play more than 15 minutes. All right. He is ninth in rebounding, and he's six foot seven. My problem with Dylan Brooks is that all he does is shoot, and he doesn't do much else as far as contributing to the box score. He's dead last in box plus minus. He's dead last in defensive box plus minus. He's dead last in offensive box plus minus. He's dead last in win share per 48. He's dead last with a negative offensive win share while he is second on our team in usage. The team is a negative while he's on the floor, and he's, they're positive when he's off. He is below the league average with an 11- Play, player efficiency rating. He's top twenty in the NBA and field goals missed. He's last on our team in offensive rating. He's tied for last with John Morant in defensive rating. His entire career he has been a negative for this team on the floor. All three years, when he's on the floor, he has a negative net rating. In his 14 games since he got his since he got paid, he only shot above forty percent three times. He shot below thirty percent seven times. He scored more than ten points fourteen times against teams with winning records, and that was in twenty seven games. So half the time when it when it matters, Dylan Brooks doesn't show up. And here's the one that you guys were you know that's whatever no, about. No,
2: that's not true. Okay,
0: not even he is not even a top fifty shooting guard in the NBA. Grayson Allen and De'Anthony Milton were ranked ahead of him, and in value added value added to a team among shooting guards, he's ranked forty six. Okay, that's the analytics. That's the stats. I know some people don't care about them. So let me go to the eye test. There is absolutely zero excuse for some of the shots that Dylan Brooks forces up when Taylor, Taylor Jenkins has broadened an offense that has created open shots for guys all that long. And you've got Valanchunas who, towards the end of the season, when Brooks was in his slump, was filling it up. Jaron Jackson can fill it up. John Morant can fill it up. And and Dylan Brooks is driving in the lane and doing pull-up mid-range jumpers with two guys on his face and barely even hitting the rim. He should not be leading this team in field goal attempts. He should not be forcing shots. He should settle into a role. I think the best role for Dylan Brooks is a six-man that comes in like a Lou Williams type that just his job is to come in and get buckets. I would be fine with that. But to say that he is a starting shooting guard on a team that will be contending... It's just not, not in the cards for him.
2: It's, okay, what are we arguing here? Are we arguing that he is a starter in the NBA? Are we arguing that he's a six man in the NBA? Or well, I thought that we were arguing that he's a good player in the NBA because you and Sean have both said in your arguments that he could be a six man in the NBA, which means that you're a good NBA role player. So what's the argument here? What, what are we arguing here, man? Like
0: that's Right now, I'm he's not about. a good player. I say he can that's be good. that. He can be that, but But, I don't think he is right now.
2: Which is completely wrong. You just gave us an entire stats dump without any context, with no nuance to it. You're completely ignoring the fact that, like Nate said, Dylan Brooks is guarding the hardest defensive assignment every single night for the Memphis Grizzlies on the wing because his starting point guard is a rookie who can't defend many players. He has difficulty with bigger guys, so Dylan Brooks is going on them. So when you want to bring up all these defensive stats, like like defensive rating, defensive win share, you're not taking into account the fact that he's going up against the hardest guy. I looked at the stats as well. You're ignoring the lineup stats. You're picking these individual stats for Dylan Brooks to try to say that he's a bad player within the system, which just isn't true. If you go and you look at the, like the top five lineups that played at least 50 minutes together and their offensive rating and defensive ratings, Dylan Brooks is in at least in four of each of them.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Who else of, is in those young. four? Who else is in those four that, that brings the him starters. up? Right, the exactly. Starters. you got John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonas Valanciunas that make that stat go up because Dylan Brooks brings them down.
2: So, so you're allowed to make the argument that they bring him up, but I'm not allowed to make the argument that he brings them up.
0: No, you can make that argument. I'm just saying that if you're going to use so, okay,
2: that – Okay, but if you're going to make a rebuttal, I need something to back it up. You can't just say it because it's just hearsay. That's just an opinion. I have the stats. You can go look at the lineups. You can go look when he's in the game with certain players. He makes them better. Yeah, he's the spotty shooter. He doesn't have a great shooting percentage. But we're not here to argue whether or not Dylan Brooks is the smartest player on the Memphis Grizzlies. We're not here to argue if Dylan Brooks has his high shooting percentage. We're here to argue if Dylan Brooks is a good basketball player in the NBA. And that's unequivocally a yes. He has barely played two seasons in the NBA. And he is winning games for the Memphis Grizzlies. He has won them many games. And you can talk about his stats after he got his contract, but we all know that he got it in the middle of one of his biggest slumps of the season. Let's go back and we look at the entire month before that when he was scoring damn near 20 points per game and the Grizzlies were going on a huge run. I mean, you can look at the stats. I had the stats here. Dylan Brooks, when he scores 20 points per game, the Grizzlies have 18 or 19 wins and like four losses. That tells you right there that Dylan Brooks being a gunner is what Chinkins wants in his system. If he did not want Dylan Brooks to be his gunner, Dylan Brooks wouldn't have, have the highest field, goals, uh, field goal attempts on the game, and he wouldn't be the player that we go to in late-game situations. Jo- uh, Nate was 100% right. John Morant is not ready to be the number one scorer on this team. He's not. He is going to get there eventually. So Dylan Brooks is there to take some of that pressure off of him because we don't want Ja going balls to the wall for the entire game and trying to score every single possession. So having Dylan Brooks there not only allows Jaw to have a release valve if he gets stuck in a situation he needs to get it to a score, a lot of his late-game clock situations are because his rookie teammates got in a situation where they had to take a late-game shot clock shot. And that's Dylan Brooks because he's always got the ball in his hands around the perimeter because Ja likes to drive and he likes to kick. And who's he going to kick it out to? Dylan Brooks sitting there, and guess what? He hit like 36% of them. That's great. You want that for a three-point shooter. We're judging a guy that has barely played two seasons in the NBA. I don't understand why we're acting like he's not a good NBA player. All the stats are there. I mean, we all have eyeballs. You can dump, you can dump all these analytics and advanced stats on me without any context to them, and I'm gonna rip them apart because I watch every single game. Also, Dylan Brooks is a dog. You need him on the court. You need that mentality on the court. He went at Andre Iguodala. He took le- leadership of this team. I mean, he's been here the longest of any Memphis Grizzlies player and it seems like he takes with it with pride. This he wants to build a culture here and he's going to be an important part of it. It just it makes absolutely no sense to try to argue that he's not a good NBA player when he's on a when he's a starter on a playoff team. He's a starter on a playoff team. So you can, you, can, you can dump stats on me all day, but if you leave out context, I'm not going to listen to them. especially when you give me all these defensive stats without acknowledging the fact that he's taking the hardest defensive
4: assignment every single night so his rookie point guard can thrive on the offensive end. Let's talk about context, Connor. You bring up a lot of good points. You bring up the point that, yes, he does have value now and on this Grizzlies team. But let's stick with context. The context is is that Dylan wasn't picked out of a group of five players who could do what he could do. The fact is, if the Grizzlies had five players who could do what he'd do, Dylan probably wouldn't be the best of them. He's a replaceable talent in terms of being a starter on this team. That's the big point that's being forgotten. But that's not
2: what we're arguing, Sean. We're not arguing. Yeah, that's what we, we are that's arguing. Not that's what it no, it's not. Uh-huh.
4: That's what needs to be we're understood. I'll take your point. That's what needs to be understood. He's arguing under- that That's as a starter. He's absolutely overextended right. as a starter, but that just okay. because thats not the you conversation. Say that he's a good six man. You have a lot of players who make good six men who are not who are good at shooting the ball. They're quantity shooters. Nobody is denying that he is a volume and a quantity shooter. But is he overextended as a starter? Yes. Was he the only guy who really fit the role as a shooter? Yes. If you want to go back and look at what he does, uh, Nathan brought up the point about him being a three-point shooter. Dylan, he is a decent three-point shooter. He's the best and probably most consistent three-point shooter on the Grizzlies. He averages two threes made per game, and he shoots five threes per game. There's only been five other Grizzlies who have done that since the Grizzlies have been in Memphis. A couple of those guys, Mike Miller, Mike Conley, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Tyreek Evans. We're talking about four all-star talents right there, either in the past they were at that level or they will be at that level in the future. The fifth guy? Troy Daniels, 2016 2017 season. You want to know the guy that is better in effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, written shares per 48, and also in terms of shooting in general? It was Troy Daniels. He played 1,100 I, minutes. That again, season. that doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're acting, okay. It absolutely matters. That does it not matter. No, show. it doesn't. A player. Yes, it, and it does.
2: It the point is, the is, is that it's not theory. the comparison uh, for a player yeah. that is a major
4: part of a playoff team. What are we doing? Okay, here? let's look at the playoffs. <laughs> With the Grizzlies sense. are in their playoff position because they have over, they have done well, they have overcome expectations. But if Zion Williamson plays the whole season, are the Grizzlies in the playoffs? Probably not. Are the Portland Trailblazers, if that they had their injuries that they experienced? Are the Grizzlies in the playoffs? Probably not. They're well, the Grizz- still the Grizzlies a the better under five hundred team playing one of the easiest schedules like, in the we NBA. Do this all day. Sean. If Dylan Brooks compares fav- the most favorably to Troy Daniels, it shows that his role No you're no, you're you're making him compare t- yeah, so You're I
1: making him come it. on. All right, so, so. Go look, I go look at, at the production. There, Daniels. Get, don't go look here. at the production
2: i, I you're, the but you're West leaving West out all oh, the and, The Troy Daniels played defense against LeBron James. Yes, every he game. played defense and no. his go. defense was comparable go. with Dylan
4: Brooks. No, it wasn't. No, no, just no, because you go. put him on the go best go. player, player doesn't and the Grizzlies go are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. When they became one of the best defensive teams in the league, it was when the Anthony Melton took on a did we just
3: take context and have all over it? Troy Daniels couldn't shoot. Or, excuse me. Troy Daniels could thin, yeah. he couldn't stay on the, the floor. He couldn't score from all three levels on the court. And, Sean, like one of the biggest tenets of your argument revolves around the fact that Dylan Brooks's production is replaceable. And here's something for you right here. Here's the list of all the players in the NBA who average 15 points a game, three rebounds at two assists like Dylan Brooks does, while shooting 35% from three. There's 17 names on this list, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Paul George, Jalen Brown, Karis LeVert, Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Chris Middleton, Dylan Brooks, Tobias Harris, Gordon Hayward, Zion Williamson, Danilo Gallinari, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, and Bojan Bogdanovich. You know what There's your context. The Thank you. That's
4: not context. That and, 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 is Kerry That's comparable, comparable. players. for you. That's one outlier. There are 16 comparable players. players there one outlier. Outlier out of oh. You chose the outlier hey, 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 Daniels Sean, is an hey, outlier, bro. If, Sean, if I add go, Daniels is not an outlier. Go look at the stats, yeah. <laughs> Sean. If I add, He's in the NBA right now. If I add, exactly. That's my point. That's the point right there. Oh if God. Troy Daniels was more valuable overall than Parker Fleming, and he's not even in the NBA, or excuse me, than Dylan Brooks, and he's not even in the NBA he right now, that's no. how okay, easy you can find Dylan comment, Brooks's production. We, to make the Stop. comment that, that he is
2: more valuable than Dylan Brooks is absolutely
4: asinine. I'm and not saying he's more right valuable now. than Dylan Brooks. Did I said his stats <laughs> are comparable. <laughs> and in the 2016-2017 oh season, he was better per game than Dylan Brooks.
1: Okay, so... Uh, it
4: shows how replaceable Dylan Brooks is in terms his of being a starter in his oh God. So, God, hey,
1: what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all this out of the Grizzlies lens real quick. Take out the Grizzlies lens because you know what? I didn't... I, I thought the Troy Daniels thing was interesting, but they're two totally different players. Dylan Brooks is more of a three-and-D guy. Dylan, Troy Daniels is a three-guy. That's it. So I looked up some of the players... You know, the common stats, you know, the ones that, you know, the casual fan can understand and ones that it's easier to contextualize. And I took all the starting guards in the NBA and his scoring with like a standard deviation of plus one, minus one. Some of the guys that are comparable in my mind, you have Will Barton, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson in scoring. Assist, Gary Harris, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jeremy Lamb, Gary Harris – Rebounding, Josh Richardson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Danny Green. Three-point percentage with similar volume, about five or six threes a game. Will Barton, Wes Matthews, Devin Booker. And players that shot around the same number of field goal attempts with him while also shooting 45% from the field. Ready for this? Fred Van Fleet, R.J. Barrett, Kendrick Nunn, and Malcolm Brogdon. So... I mean, that's about the ballpark I have Dylan Brooks in. And that is still, you know what? There's all this context about, oh, starter on a good team. Well, guess what? Mario Chalmers, sophomore season Mario Chalmers was a starting point guard for a title-winning team. Yes, I know you're about to say they have LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. But if Jaron and Jaw are who they're supposed to be, it shouldn't matter all too much if Dylan Brooks is in the starting lineup. That's, that's my opinion. And who knows? He met his best role may come down the line as a sixth man, or it's going to come down as a guy that's a tradable asset. Bottom line, I still think he's a sixth, seventh guy on a very good playoff team. And a guy that, you know what, if it comes down to it, it needs to start and needs to play 25, 30 minutes in the playoffs, I think he can. And because a lot of the players that I just showed – comparable context with, you know, the Will Bartons, Tim Hardaway Juniors, Josh Richardson's. I think he's there. And we will continue this conversation after our break. All right. And we are back from our break. And wow, oh, wow. That was just super chaotic. And that, honestly, I got a lot of Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman vibes over here. And so... I'm just going to close the show with some rapid-fire questions, some closing remarks from both my wonderful cabinet of Dylan Brooks Island as well as the people looking to terrorize Dylan Brooks Island, and I'm going to start with Sean. So, Sean, objectively speaking, what have you been? What did? What are your thoughts on Dylan Brooks's performance this season?
4: Dylan Brooks' performance this season has been very nice to see. Um, I think that he certainly has gone from a player who was, um, you know, more known for a botched trade and was out last season due to injury. And he has established – to a player who has established himself, you know, a career in the NBA. His extension that he signed, I was a critic of it when it was signed, not necessarily because the money was wrong or the years are wrong or anything like that, but because I think that in terms of the Grizzlies' backcourt, in terms of the players that are back there right now and after this offseason, we're likely going to see that, you know, D'Anthony Milton, Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, John Morant, they're all going to be in that round for another three seasons. He's easily the most replaceable talent in that backcourt in terms of what he offers. And the other big thing about it is, is that he – is a guy who plays a significant role on this team, but that's for now. And we see the results. They are a playoff team, but they're still an under 500 playoff team who have had a lot of things outside of their control fall in their favor. Does he fit that role going forward? I don't think so. I don't think that he's a starting two guard on a true contending team going forward in the playoffs. I do feel like he is an intriguing office of energy reserve, and that's the role that he should play going forward. He's Fit. He's answered that question this year. The two questions that have been answered: Does he ever rule on this Grizzlies team? Yes. Is it as a significant contributor as a starter? No. It's as a reserve who can offer good shooting and is a good complementary piece in the backcourt with Tyus Jones coming off the bench in the Grizzlies second unit. All
1: right, and then Connor, yesterday's GBB live question of the day is: Which player is the most important to the Grizzlies going forward? Anthony Melton, Grayson Allen, John Conchar, Dylan Brooks.
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, probably D'Anthony Melton. But, just, but that's just because D'Anthony Melton, he is with that trio of Brandon Clark and Tyus Jones, and he provides so much stability, not only on the defensive end, but also on the offensive end. And he can take play, playmaking responsibility off of a guy like John Morant. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Dylan Brooks is a bad player because, again, when I agreed to come on here, it was we were arguing, is, D- is Dylan Brooks a good basketball player? And everyone seems to be agreeing that he is a good basketball player. I have said on podcasts in the past that I think that at some point, Dylan Brooks could become the Memphis Grizzlies' sixth man. Sixth man. That's not a bad thing. And that still means that Dylan Brooks is a good NBA player. So me saying that DeAnthony Melton, I think, is more important to the core moving forward, just because I think he provides more of a value as a player overall in the game doesn't necessarily mean that Dylan Brooks is a bad player it just means that we have two really really good shooting guard prospects in the league right now and both of them are actually on bargain deals because as you brought up late, uh in the past Parker Dylan Brooks's contract compared to some of the guys that are making more money than him is a steal I mean you can look at it any way that you want Dylan Brooks taking that deal when he did was a steal was we were expecting to give him some more money than that
1: I agree and actually on yesterday's GBB live I had said that my answer would have been different if Dylan Brooks's contract extension was never signed Absolutely. I, I think that Dylan Brooks is more important going forward because you already have that investment investment in him and you don't know what d Melton's going to get on the open market
2: oh but I thought also, you were assuming if, I thought you meant like in the lineup I didn't know you meant like so yeah, of course, Melton's contract situation is going to change that answer. But I, I'm assuming that he is move, moving forward with the Grizzlies. Assuming, assuming D'Ante and Melton will be here moving forward, Mel, Melton would be more important than uh, Dylan Brooks, but he's a close second.
1: All right. Yeah, I agree, and because I think I said on yesterday's show, Dylan Brooks has the skill set that gets overpaid. I mean, we've seen it with Tim Hardaway Jr., Absolutely. Gary Harris, uh, Will Barton's not overpaid. Will Barton's great. He's the best of that. Howling crab. But Alan Crabb, like those those guys get overpaid. And I thought he would have gotten overpaid. It was posted to Anthony Melton. And so, Justin, now I'll, I'll get to you. So let's throw this hypothetical out there. Jaron Jackson Jr. takes that year three lead, becomes an all star caliber big man, you know, averaging probably about north of 20 and seven on 40% three point shooting. John Morant takes that step and is about a night, like a 20 and nine assist guy. And then Justice Winslow's healthy and he's actually showing you what he showed you in Miami. And Memphis comes out, let's say they're a fifty to fifty five win team, and that's with Dylan Brooks in that starting lineup. Does that skew your opinion at all? Or does it change your argument at all? No. Um, and here's why. <laughs> A lot of
0: my argument is I test um, with him and I just don't like the way that he fits with that starting lineup. Um, I am comfortable with him being a guy that comes off the bench and is given the opportunity to jack up the shots that he jacks up while in the starting lineup. I'm not comfortable with him being in the starting lineup, being overconfident in his abilities and taking shots away from guys that are clearly better than him. And on that bench unit, I wouldn't even want him being the leading shot taker in that unit. I, I want to be able to create as many opportunities for Brandon Clark as I possibly can. And to go back to answer that question you asked, Connor, I'm taking John Conchar over all of them because I think he brings more to the game than, than any of those guys. And I'm one of the biggest the Anthony Milton fans that there is. Um, I've been on him since he started getting some playing time. Um, But I just don't believe that for a contending team, Dylan Brooks is the answer at the starting two guard. I agree with Sean 100%. He is the most replaceable player in our starting lineup, perhaps one of the more replaceable players on our team. And he is the, outside of Kyle Anderson, the person that I would trade first.
1: All right. And so finally I'll get to Nate because Nate and I have had these conversations ever since Dylan Brooks' rookie year, because that's when we started riding together. And – what is the favorable, most likely outcome for Dylan Brooks's career as a Memphis Grizzly? You know, like we've tossed out comparisons as as great as Rudy Gay and as lowly as Troy Daniels. Sean, I will never let you live that down by the way. You're never gonna live that down, yeah,
0: Sean, I'm on your side, and you can trying to compare it to Troy Daniels, I can't back you up on that, yeah, so. Nate, I'll bat myself
4: up all day long. Wait till my closing statement. Go ahead.
1: So, Nate, what's the ideal favorable outcome for Dylan Brooks?
3: Well, before I say anything, Sean, to be or Justin, to be fair, I think Sean could point out that you just said that your argument was based on ITEX when you gave a stat up as your first part of your argument. So, that would seem to be a little iffy right then and there, but overall. I think he stays where he's at. He stays as a starting shooting guard as the Grizzlies grow into a title contending team. And overall, the most frustrating thing about this debate is that it's entirely too vague and ambiguous for me. Um, What is the context to what we are talking about when we talk about a title contending team? Danny Green, in the last six to seven years, a player that Dylan Brooks is arguably better than at his peak. Now, that's a separate discussion entirely, but he's comparable and an overall more productive player than Danny Green ever was. Danny Green won two championships as a starting shooting guard with two different teams because he played with Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and Kawhi Leonard, among others, in San Antonio. And then he played with Kawhi Leonard, basically playing like 1998 Michael Jordan in the playoffs last year context matters with everything I think Dylan Brooks right now in the current iteration and version of what he is who again there are only 17 other players in the NBA who you can find who have his counting stats. If I were to add his steals, 0.9 steals per game, there are only eight other players in the NBA who have his counting stats. There's a future I can see right now where he in his current iteration is the starting shooting guard of a title contending team for the Grizzlies because what do Jaron Jackson and John Morant look in this iteration of a title contending team? If Jaron Jackson morphs into an Anthony Davis caliber player, which I don't think he will, but even if he does and he's averaging 25 and eight, three blocks while shooting 40% from three, and John Morant turns into a perennial MVP candidate, you could have Dylan Brooks right now in his current iteration in the starting lineup, and you could be a title contender.
0: But that's not talking about Dylan Brooks. That's talking about the other two guys. Like, that's not the argument.
4: And, And the thing that I'll say is this, is that what you can do, the way that you can compare Dylan Brooks to Danny Green to make them comparable, you could do the same thing comparing him to Troy Daniels. I think that both of those are as big of a stretch as you possibly can. All that day long. For All right. So I'll put it. I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way, and then I'll hush. My my usage of Troy Daniels in this situation is simply this: Is Dylan Brooks a better pair, player than Troy Daniels? Yes. That was never my intent to say that. That's not the case. My comparison to Troy Daniels is simply this. If the offensive value that Dylan Brooks is offering is comparable to what Troy Daniels offered, it's great that Dylan is a better defensive player. However, it doesn't change the fact that in terms of his best usage, it's that 17 to 20 point or 20 minute a night role in which he comes off the bench, defends the best player on the other team's second unit, and is the main shooter on the second unit. That's the reason why I compare him to Troy Daniels. All day long, Dylan Brooks is best as a reserve. You need to limit his ability to be able to take shots because he doesn't need to take over the game. He doesn't have that capability. Yes, he's won us some games this year. He also has disappeared in big moments this year as well. So at the end of the day, all day long, Dylan Brooks, I think we can agree as a role player has value, but that value is best off the bench. And I think that he can be easily just as much of a trade piece as a sixth man for the Grizzlies in the future.
1: All right, so we're about close to the wrapping up point. Sean gave his closing remarks. Rapid fire closing remarks. Nate, go ahead. Yeah, I just
3: don't know really what more there is to say about Dylan Brooks at this point. I think the frustrating thing for me about this debate has been that it's far too vague. It's far too ambiguous um, to be able to talk about whether Dylan Brooks can be a starting caliber player for a championship contending team. I need to know what the rest of the lineup looks like because... Dylan Brooks can't be the best player on a title team, or the second best player, or probably even the third best player. But with a guy who has his skill set, a volume three-point shooter who shoots 37% from three, can score from all three levels on the court, and provides excellent defense and guards the other team's best player night in and night out, can that guy be the fourth best player on a championship contending team? Of course he can, and the fourth best player is usually a star. a guy who's in the starting lineup, and I definitely think Dylan Brooks can be that. You think about his counting stats, how really it's only in the neighborhood of 17 other players in the league who have put up the numbers that he has this year. His skill set is a premium, and you have to look at him and his game in the context of what he is for the Memphis Grizzlies. He is the most aggressive scorer because he is currently the only one who is capable of being that aggressive scorer on a nine in and night out bases. Dylan Brooks is going to be a part of this team for many years to come I think. Could he possibly be moved in the future as a trade chip for a more valuable piece? Sure. Um, next year the Grizzlies could use their trade chips to move up and draft a player like Jalen Green who could end up becoming an all-star caliber starting shooting guard of the future. They could also pull their trade chips to trade for Bradley Beal or Devin Booker. Those are potential options for how they can upgrade that position in the future. But as for right now, Dylan Brooks is a borderline elite role player. He's a three and D player who could score from all three levels on the court. And right now he is the ideal fit next to John Morant. He is a very good NBA player and he will be one for years to come. And he very well could be a very good one for the Grizzlies on hopefully a championship contending team here in the next five years.
0: So for Dylan Brooks to to have a role as a as a contender going forward, uh, I just. Your comparison is is Danny Green and his his roles that he's had. The thing about Danny Green is that he never led his team in shooting. And so for Dylan Brooks to be a, a starting guard in this in this theory um, as a um, shooting guard uh, for a, for a contender, he his role has to decrease. Um, he can't be the guy leading the team in shooting. Um, there are, there are four to five guys on this team that are significantly more talented than he is. I'm not going to argue that he doesn't play hard that he he has this dog mentality in him and and that kind of attitude is needed the team that doesn't make him a good basketball player um so for Dylan Brooks as a, as a player right now is what we're talking about. The question wasn't what's he going to be in the future? Like Right now I don't think he's a good basketball player. He's highly inefficient. The team is worse when he's on the floor and the future going forward there are, there are players on the roster that play his position that are going to be more beneficial to this team. Uh, I test stats, they all say it and we want to talk about the, the stat dump that I did with the individual stats. Um, you want to bring in lineups and say um, it, the content Text matters, and the nuance matters, and uh, Connor wants to argue that there's, you know, there he he makes Jaw, Jaron, and Jonas a, a, a better lineup, but. How can you prove that with with just those raw numbers? You you can't with a five-man lineup tool. Um, I would argue that Jaron and Jonas and Ja make Dylan significantly look better in his stats. Imagine, And here's the thing. Think about Dylan Brooks as Tyreek Evans. He's been on bad teams the last couple of years and he puts up numbers. Who cares? I don't think he is going to be somebody that is a productive winner like Danny Green. I think he's more of a Tyreek Evans that can only produce when, when when the games don't matter um, he's disappeared this year uh, in the big games just look at those stats because those don't lie so dylan brooks right now as he is is not a good basketball player is not somebody that i wanted as my sixth man could he be a sixth man one year sure But he certainly will not be a starting shooting guard on a championship contender. And I will live and die with that. And maybe in a year we'll come back and I get to say to you guys, hey, I was wrong. But I guarantee in a year, one of you at least will flip and see that this contract was not worth it. And he's not that good of a basketball player.
2: This entire debate was pretty confusing to me because I was told that we were arguing whether or not Dylan Brooks was a good basketball player or not. And Sean's argument and Justin's argument ended up being that Dylan Brooks is a good enough NBA player to be a sixth or seventh man on the team. So what are we arguing here? Why are we picking apart a player who has barely played two seasons of the NBA? Why are we picking apart a player who has been asked to guard the best offensive player on the other team every single night so that some of his younger teammates can develop over over time? Why are we picking apart a player who, if you go and you look at the game logs and you go and look at the Grizzlies wins, and damn near every single one of them, Dylan Brooks has been one of the probably top five factors as to why they won the game. Why are we picking apart – a player on a team that by far exceeded their expectations and is a major reason the Memphis Grizzlies are in the playoffs right now. What are we doing here, guys? Why are we acting like Dylan Brooks can't evolve over time? Why are we acting like he's going to be frozen in a chamber and just be this player forever? That makes absolutely no sense. Y'all keep bringing up John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and how they could develop moving forward. And if this becomes a championship contending team, is Dylan Brooks going to be good enough to be on it? What does that even mean, guys? You can't talk about them developing over time and then not talk about Dylan Brooks developing over time. It's the same thing. They're going to grow together as a team. He's an absolute steal on the contract that he is on because of the stats that Parker read off to you. It makes no sense that we're picking apart this player. He does so many things well for this team. His playmaking got better at the end of the season. His rebounding can improve, sure, but he's also got some seven-footers down low that they're rebounding pretty well as well. And again, he's defending the best offensive player on the other team, so he's a little busy to get rebounds. Yeah, his shooting percentage isn't the best, but does that really matter at the end of the day? Like some of the best players in the NBA, their shooting percentages aren't great, but we're not asking Dylan Brooks to be one of the best players in the NBA. We're we're asking Dylan Brooks to be a really good role player on this team, that he can absolutely be that moving forward, and we have the evidence to back that up. Justin, you bring up good stats and why people don't pick them apart with context because the good stats usually have context with them when you give them. You gave us a bunch of team stats to try to tell us why Dylan Brooks was bad without talking about what Dylan Brooks' role was on that team. Dylan Brooks was a role player on this team. He was a volume scorer that was asked to defend the best offensive player on the other end. That's what he was asked to do, and he did that really effectively. And he deserves that contract. It's ridiculous that we're doing this for a barely th- like a guy that really isn't even his third year in the NBA. He was in his second year in the NBA. This is this is silly. We need to support these players moving forward. And yeah, he may get traded later on for a better player, or he may move on, and he may not be part of the the big Grizzlies bash with John Jarrett. But guess what? He's on the team right now. So I'm going to support this guy until the, end of, until the end of the day. So that's my closing argument. I, I, I love everybody in this little Zoom conference debate, but I can't lie, guys. This, this debate, it's kind of silly. Dylan Brooks is a good NBA player, and I, I could argue he's a really, really good role player. And anything other than that is just trying to pick apart a young player for no reason.
1: All right. Well, that was fun. And I don't really need to give a closing argument. If you haven't listened to my opinion on Dylan Brooks, then you are very new to my following, the Core 4 podcast, Grizzly Bear Blues, everything. But very compelling arguments. If you've listened this long, thank you. You are either a pogue with Dylan Brooks Island. Alongside me, Connor Dunning, and Nathan Chester. Or you're a kook who thinks that they're better and above all this. Like Sean Coleman and Justin Lewis. But, nonetheless, all four of these guys that came on the show with me today. Excellent Grizzly Follows. You can follow them on Twitter. At NathanChester24. At statssac at C dunny 929 and at j underscore Fake underscore. Make sure you're listening to the Gianotto and Jeffrey show every day on 92.9 ESPN from 2 to 4. Make sure you're listening to the Vlad Don Grizzlies podcast and the 3&D podcast. Make sure you're still listening to the Core 4 podcast and GBB Live on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to continue following, reading up, and interacting with Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at podca underscore and the podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four, not the word four. And with that, that's it.